Hey everyone, Mario Barecki here, and I am known as the Conversation Guy. I'm also the founder of MediaMar, and at MediaMar, we help thought leaders craft and distribute conversations that convert. I believe everything starts with a conversation. I believe conversations are the most powerful way to create connections, to create relationships, and to create opportunities with each other. So everything has a basis in conversation. And on this podcast that you're about to listen to, I'm going to have 10-minute conversations with thought leaders to do just that, create relationships, create opportunity, but more importantly, to convey value, value from them and their perspective and how they operate on a daily basis, and to really tell a story that can bring some value and positivity tips, tricks, ideas, what have you, to your life to make it better. So sit back, relax, buckle in. It's going to be a wild ride. I know those things don't quite go together. Sit back, relax, and buckle in. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to get the conversation started right now. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast. I am super excited to have a very special guest here with us today. Bill Flynn is here, and he's one of those guys that when you meet him, he, he doesn't, and we were just talking about this, he doesn't have to say he's a leader, you just feel it from him. And that's what embodiment looks like. And I'm super excited to have him here and have this conversation with him. He has done so much in his career, but he's best described as a pragmatic Simon Sinek, an optimist and an operator. He embodies his core purpose, which I love this, simplified servanthood by spending each working moment to help create a compassionately productive society by enabling enlightened leaders to focus on the few things that truly matter to their teams and key stakeholders. He's worked for and advised hundreds of companies, including startups, where he has a long track record of success spanning multiple industries. He's been a VP of sales eight times, twice a CMO, once a GM of a division of a $100 million IT service company, before he pivoted to becoming a business growth coach in 2015. And prior to, he had five successful outcomes, two IPOs, and seven acquisitions, including a turnaround during the 2008 financial crisis. As a coach, in addition to being connected with MG100, Women's Business Collaborative, Mass MEP, all these different things, he has a best-selling book that he's written titled Further faster, the vital few steps that take the guesswork out of growth. So definitely go check that out. Grab a copy of that. You can find more about him all at his website, which is catalystgrowthadvisors.com. So go there and connect with him. Bill, it's so great to have you on the show. Thanks, Mario. And what you didn't say and all that is he he's old and he has made a ton of mistakes. <laughs> you only well, said the good stuff, but thank you. <laughs> I mean, you're only as old as you feel, right? Very true. Very true. There are days yeah. I feel much older than others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you too. I mean, I'm in my mid. I, I remember when I was in my 20s and I was in kind of a rough patch before I really kind of made my transformation and stepped into entrepreneurship. And I remember justifying in my mind, like I was just low energy, tired, stressed out, not sleeping well. And I'm like, eh, this is just what happens when you get older. And then I went, wait a minute, I'm 23 years old. There's something wrong here. And that's what helped Absolutely. me to kind of make that shift. So I know from experience, I, I mean, I feel more energetic and more purpose-filled at 35 than I did at 22. So yeah, it's amazing how that works, right? If you believe in something and it gives you energy. Yeah, it is. And you know, there's, there's, we're in, even with all the stuff happening in the world, right? We're still in very exciting times. Mm. And one of the things that, that triggered for me in my mind as we were talking here is you did some big things in 2008 when all that went down. And now today's world with COVID and all of these other things, are you seeing some of the same things happening in kind of a little different manner as back then? 
Yeah, it's exactly the same except for the health side, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so every six to eight years, give or take, we have some sort of economic crisis, right? We've had three um, in this century alone. We've had 9-11, 2008, and now COVID. Uh, but if you look back, if you go back into 10 years before that or 20 years before that, we've had a few, you know, we've had that. If you go back to the 70s and the 60s, there's always something that happens. It's generally part of an economic cycle. The problem is, especially as Americans uh, and Westerners, we aren't prepared for them because we are very optimistic. And we just assume everything's going to be great. And the problem is it isn't always great. It, history shows that there's always going to be some sort of downturn. And one of the things we have to do is prepare for that and be ready. So then when stuff like this happens, we, notwithstanding the health side, this was sort of a weird one, that we know what to do. Like there's a there's a book on it, right? There's a manual to say, okay, when, when this happens, here's what we do. We've already put this much money in the bank. Here's what we decided to do as a business. Here's how we're going to, what we're going to focus on, et cetera. But most people don't do that. And, uh, I think that's, one of the reasons that so many businesses have, one, certainly haven't started, but tons of businesses have just gone out of business and probably many of them will never come back, unfortunately. And that's something you're an expert in. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring that up and kind of get into that topic is because something you said to me as we were chatting in the past is the longer you're in business, the more likely you are to go out of business. And that blew my mind because, you know, coming from the restaurant world before this, mm -hmm. we were always taught that if you can get through that first year, nine out of 10 restaurants that start up closing their first year, if you can get through that first year, then you're usually pretty good. You usually have a much better chance staying up. But you say the longer you're in business, that that the chances of going out of business become more and more likely. That's so fascinating. Yeah, I, well, I don't say it. I I learned it. <laughs> uh, there are organizations that tr to track this stuff. Uh, one of them is the Small Business Administration, and the other is uh, called the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And they both have very similar data that say uh, uh, that if you started a business in 1994, you had a 50% chance of making it to 1999. You had a 25% chance of making it another 10 years, so 2009, and about a 16% chance of making about 25 years. So the longer you're in business, the more likely it is you're going to go out of business. The, the question is, why? Uh, you, know, you know, we've learned that you said entrepreneurship, you know, it's sort of been your thing. And generally, the rule is as you do something, you do it more of it, you hopefully get better at it, and you've learned things and et cetera. For some reason, we haven't. Uh, my theory is that tiny errors compound, uh, and we make these small errors in in significant areas of our business that just start to make it harder and harder and harder, and sort of like putting a heavier and heavier anchor on us as we go forward. Um, and I, I, you, there are a number of those things in my bio if you want to pick up on any of those things that that I've sort of seen as sort of the top ten, if you will. Um, but that's my theory. I have no proof that that's what happens. I mean, there's there's science around tiny errors compound, et cetera. But that's that's my feeling is it this just becomes harder because these things add up. Well, let's touch on a couple of those things, because, mm -hmm. you know, for people who are listening to this, who've been in business maybe for five to 10 years or they're, you know, they're they're dealing with covid and trying to get over that. And now they're like, oh, so now I have a more likely chance of going out of business and we're throwing COVID into the mix. And uh, so it's it could be scary. What are some of the things as you go in and work with businesses to help them not go out of business? What are some of the main things that you see that you help businesses overcome? Well, first, <clears throat> I think you have to um, change your mindset. There are a couple of some call the mental models, principles, whatever you want to call these things that you should apply to business. And we don't. 
but we don't often enough. One of the first ones, which has been proven for hundreds and hundreds of years and is named after this guy Pareto, uh, it's also called the 80-20 rule. So, and I think that's one of the most important ones is that for most businesses, your best customers, your core customers are 16 times more valuable than all the others. Uh, and the math basically is, you know, if you do the 80-20 rule, that if you have a million dollars in profit, 800,000 of them come for, say, about 100 customers, 20 of them provide that. That's 40 grand a piece. The rest is 2,500. The other 80 are about 2,500 on average. So that means you should focus a lot more on a fewer customers and really dig deep into those and try to find out the why behind, you know, why they, they were attracted to you, why they stay with you, why they're so loyal. Uh, and then make more stuff for them, as opposed to what we do is we try to we try to have more customers because we chase revenue. We think revenue is a thing, and it's really not. Revenue is great. Revenue is vanity. Revenue is wonderful to brag about, um, and as sort of a milestone, it's sort of a, a measuring stick. But in the end, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred million dollar company, but you don't make any money from it. You don't actually put any money in the bank. You know, there's no profit. You're not as valuable a company that's maybe twenty million but puts away. 30 or 40% gross profit. It's, you're just not the same. You may be bigger, you may employ more people, which is great, but you're probably not treating them as well because you can't afford it. And you're making decisions to survive as opposed to thrive. Uh, so that's one principle I think that's really important. And, and that gets to my overarching principle, which is um, there's a lot that science knows about business and the aspects of business that business does not apply. So I say there's a meaningful gap between what science knows and business does. Uh, so that's some of the reason, th those are some of the reasons why if you applied those principles and understood them, then you have a better chance. It's not a guarantee that you'll stay in business or be, or, or be wonderful. And one of the things I didn't mention is earlier in the stats that, that I talked about, those are the companies that died. And to be honest with you, it's almost better to have died because then it's over and you can sort of move on to something else. But there are a number of companies that didn't die, but they're struggling mightily. They're just they're just trying to get by every day, every week, every month, trying to meet payroll. That's almost worse. That's that's like chronic stress, which is a killer. It's, it's actually bad for your health. Uh, at least if it's if it's dead, you can say, okay, whatever. I can downsize my house. I can move to a you know whatever. You can you can arrange your life in a certain way. But it's harder if you're struggling. Um, so that's that's sort of what I've I've noticed <clears throat> in sort of either doing it or researching it that a lot of businesses really struggle with. I also I love that because I think that mindset shift is so valuable because I know with a lot of businesses when they first get started, when they're first starting up, all of their focus is on client acquisition, as it should be, because if you don't have any clients, you don't have a business. But then there comes a point in that business's life where they need to shift a portion of their focus from acquisition to retention. If you can retain and acquire at that point, then you'll keep that graph moving forward and that growth happening continuing rather than flat not flatlining or god forbid going downhill i think it's so important to look at who are the customers i have who are actually buying from me now and how do i serve them better because you're right a lot of businesses get in this mindset of how many can i acquire rather than how can i serve better and provide more value yeah we're enamored of the new uh yeah. generally especially if you're in technology or because the new is fun uh you know and there's a there's a uh, thing you know in, in support of maintenance maintenance isn't bad <clears throat> now i will say that if, based upon the principle that i mentioned earlier the 80 20 or the law of the vital few or whatever it's got all these different names it's been around forever um is that you shouldn't necessarily try to retain all your customers 
uh, one of the things I advise my clients to do and, and others it's in my book is take a, a list of customers that you've had, you know, reasonable list. If, if you're in a quick turn business, maybe it's a year, maybe it's two years. If you're longer, maybe it's three, four, five years. And then put them in order uh, of profit to your business. And then uh, you also grade them by they love me. Uh, I love them, right? They love me is that they're, they're a referral. They're smiling on the phone. They're not arguing about price. They're they're coming back year after year or whatever, et cetera. I love them. They're easy to serve, you know, all those kinds of things. And then, then if you then get rid of all the ones that don't have two X's, those are your best customers. Those are the ones you want more of. So what you need to do is really understand them and retain them. Some of them at the bottom of that list, you shouldn't retain. You should fire them. You should say, you know what? We thought it was going to be a good idea, but it's not. Uh, you know, you know, you won't say this to them, but basically my people hate you. They don't, they cringe when the phone rings or they see that your name on an email, it takes extra time. You're always asking us to do things that are unnatural and blah, blah, blah. We don't like to do, but for some reason we feel like we have to do it to retain you. But when you look at them at the bottom, every time they stay, you lose money, which means you can't serve the two most important constituencies in your organization, which are your best customers and your employees. Right? If you have more money, more cash, et cetera, you can take care of your team better and you can do more things and you can hire better people. You can pay them more. You can do all these things that really take care of your team. And if you take care of your team, like, like Richard Branson says, they'll take care of you. So there, there's that as well. I, I agree that retention is good, but not everybody. Um, and yeah. so if you are going to retain, one more thing, we are going to retain, yeah, please. try to, re, try, I mean, if you're going to acquire, acquire more of the companies that are at the top of that list. That's what you want to acquire. Tell your sales team, all that kind of stuff. That's what you want to acquire. Yeah, that's awesome news. And that's a practice that we do as a team often is go through our client base for what you said, mainly for research purposes, see, to say, because we've, we evolved too. And as businesses evolve and services evolve, you start to acquire different types of clients. And it's always a good practice to go in and say, okay, who are we acquiring now based on what we're serve, what we're providing? And do we like this? And do we want more of this? And if so, how do we do this more? Who are we now? Who are we talking to? Who are we Agreed. serving? Agree. Really understanding all those things, that framework that drives your business, right? You have to, you have to love what you have to love doing it. It has to line up with your purpose, your vision, all those kinds of things. Once you put that framework, those decisions of which clients you keep attract, et cetera, become easier. And then you'll, the best part of growing, if you want to be really good at growing and being a great leader, you have to learn how to say no to a lot of stuff, but you should make that framework up first so you can know what to say no to then you're only dealing with the ones that you're not really sure about and then you're discussing those in some detail then you can make the go no go but most of the decisions will be 80 90 percent of the decisions will be made for you because it's like no that that doesn't fit what we do we're not doing that clarity is power yeah i love it well bill thank you so much for everything you shared this was a fantastic conversation i got a lot out of it i'm sure the listeners did i want to remind them that they can find more about you at catalystgrowthadvisors.com and while they're there grab a copy of your best-selling book further faster the vital few steps that take the guesswork out of growth and uh, i can't wait to have you back on the next show because you've promised to come back for round two we have a lot more to talk about so thank you so much for everything and i look forward to picking it up on the next show thank you as do i Hey, everyone. I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the podcast. It really means a lot to me. Conversations are what I thrive on. It's something that I believe is so important for each and every one of us to have conversations that matter, to have conversations that connect us, to create relationships with each other. So the conversation that I have with the guests that are on the show, the conversations that the guests and I create to have with you are equally important and a great way for you to have 
conversations with us is to rate and review the podcast. So if you could go to Apple Podcasts, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review this, it is much appreciated. And you can always find us at MediaMario.com. If you go to MediaMario.com, you can find all the things there. If you want to connect with the guests that I had on today or guests that I've had on the show in the past, you can go to MediaMario.com and get their information. If you want to connect with me and have a conversation with me, I welcome that. All my social links everywhere that you can find me all over the web is at MediaMario.com. So go there, visit us, connect with us. I'd love to have conversations with you. I hope you found value in today's show, and I can't wait to bring you the next conversation on the next episode of The Conversation Guy. Until then, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you real soon.